Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning coming at you every single week today, of course, with another Driven Entrepreneur. And we have kind of a, a double feature entrepreneur here, which is going to be a, a fun conversation. Um, we're talking with Rosie Zelinskis. She's a career progression expert, a leadership career coach, and a bilingual speaker, which is a pretty cool trait to be able to have in the speaking world. Now, Rosie has over 28 years experience rising in the corporate world to become an executive vice president uh, for a major company in the insurance industry. As an entrepreneur, she's also the creator of the 19 Stages Career Formula. So how to become the boss of your career. She's helped dozens of people uh, get the promotion they're looking for, going from stuck and frustrated to recognized and accomplished. So we're going to have a conversation with Rosie about how if you are working, right, maybe you're, you have a side hustle going and you're working in a career, well, how can you make more money? How can you find that promotion? How can you not get in your own way, especially for the women out there? We're going to have a conversation about the differences with men and women in the workforce. And if you're the leader, if you own your own business and you want to have and cultivate a culture um, of inclusiveness and and progression and, and you know career track for your people and you want to have that, we're gonna learn all about how to set that up as well. So welcome to the show, Rosie Zelinskis. How are you? Matt, thank you very much. I am doing well. I am here in Chicago. It's sunny and beautiful and I'm excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Well, uh, it's it's not sunny for me quite yet, but I'm I'm glad it is for you. That is awesome. Hey, Rosie, you so 28 years experience. Did you ever think you were going to go off on your own when you started into this uh, as an entrepreneur, or did you was the track you know kind of early on for you because you're still young with 28 years experience? Goodness, did you figure you were going to kind of be in working for someone and it was just the job market? How, how did you go into the corporate world that way? You know, Matt, being an entrepreneur was never in my plan. This is something that's uh, relatively new for me, but it's fun and exciting. I always thought that I was going to stay in corporate America, and I have really enjoyed my career, but I have felt that I can give back all of the knowledge, the leadership knowledge that I've had. So it's kind of taken me in a, in a different direction. I'm still with corporate America, but I am now sharing all the knowledge. I'm really passionate about lifting and raising women up in, you know, as entrepreneurs and in corporate world. So I find myself in a new adventure with uh, becoming an entrepreneur uh, for my business. It's 19 stages. Yeah, well, it, it is a new adventure too. Um, working in, when you first started in corporate America, I want to kind of talk about that because there's, there's a lot of the the entrepreneur conversation that talk about quote unquote side hustle. And I don't really believe in side hustle. Um, I, I believe that if you want to start a business and you want to create something out of nothing and you're working somewhere full time, you should work somewhere full time and you should create it in your spare time with the goal of moving full time. But the side hustle idea, um, how does that work? I mean, how's that working for you? Like, I, I know that that can be intense. There's a lot of uh, time going when you're working full time. How do you balance that out? 
Yeah, so it's definitely a challenge, but you know, being in corporate America, that's my primary job. So I need to make sure that I stay focused on that job. I make sure that, you know, I'm following all my objectives on all my key performance indicators. So I do all that. And then on the evenings and weekends, I start I've, I've actually been working on a variety of things, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I have this fantastic workbook, and I want to share it with everybody, and again, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it, you know, it's a challenge, and I think most more than anything, you need to make a commitment, and whatever time management, even if you have five hours a week, you take those five hours, and you work on them with intention and with dedication, and just consistency is the biggest thing. And that, that's actually a really solid key. So even if you have, and I agree with you, even if you have an hour, five hours, whatever the spare time is, do it with intention. You know, don't just sit there every every, every night going, oh, I should be working on my business. I should be doing this. Um, you know, and, and then and feeling burned out and feeling like you're not doing enough. No, pick Wednesday night, right? I'm going to spend three hours on my business or Saturday morning or whatever. That's awesome. Um, talk to me about, let's, let's kind of go into the conversation around workplace culture. Um, as as a leader who has had my own office multiple times in different industries over the last almost 20 years, I've had many different employees, interns, uh, volunteers, contractors, coaches, all different people working for me over time. I have never, I want to say this the right way, I've never fully considered, like, I, I think about our culture, right? But I've never fully considered, is this the right way of inclusiveness or like, as, a, as a straight white male, I'll say it, that's me, I'm 41 years old, straight white male. I've never considered, am I giving the same opportunity to a man or to a woman? What I've always done is I've looked to the position and I've looked to the person and said, can they accomplish the task? So that's how I think, but I don't know if that's... Uh, if that's the right way to, to kind of go about that, what do you see in the workplace from your perspective and the work you do about the differences with men and women in the workplace? Should we be, should we be more aware of it or should we start to go, you know what, let's not even pay it. I feel like I'm not saying that the right way, but I, I think sometimes we, we make too big of a marker, right. On, um, the, on the differences of the people we work for. And I want to make sure it's completely in, in inclusionary, if that's a word. But what I want is, I just want to get the right person for the right job. That's my attitude. Fix me. <laughs> Am right, I right? right? Am I wrong? What's happening? Yeah, no. So um, obviously, whenever you're looking for a position to fill, you're going to look for to find people with the qualifications. And it doesn't matter really if it's a, a man or a woman, you really want the person that's best for, for the job. However, I do feel that there is uh, the especially in corporate America, the workforce is definitely geared towards, or I should say biased towards white males. So for example, in corporate America, as you move up the ladder, 47% uh, more males are actually in C-suite positions over uh, females. And that actually starts from the very beginning of the career. Even at the entry level, men always have more of the uh, jobs as women do in the same level, the same type of job, and women still get paid lower today. So I think employers and even, you know, corporate America, everybody needs to start looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know a lot, you know, everything that happened last year, 
everybody is looking to do that. And that's a huge advantage for women. But also, as you know, you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, Matt, and the pandemic has really affected women. More women in the workplace today are trying to leave and uh, are trying to leave work because of the, the responsibilities that they have. And, you know, we can talk a little bit more about why that is. And um, one of the things that I have found is that women really don't know that they're deserving. Sometimes they don't feel worthy of that position. So all of these things are, you have to take into consideration as an employer, Matt, in order to make sure that you are filling your needs as an employer, but also the that the people that work for you are happy because happier people uh, produce 14% more productivity. I mean, I do like the idea of my people being happy. So you mentioned a couple of things that I'd love to dig into. One of them, and it feels like this is not my responsibility or my fault, but I want to take it on. <laughs> um, you said it's like the mindset piece, right? So if, and I know it's a blanket statement, so please, you know, when you're listening right now, um, you might be the exception to the rule and we're all good with that. So you can, you know, I, I, I probably won't read your angry email, but I will read your love letter. So that's all cool. Um, but what she said was, and, and I agree with that, right? You said women, is, is it women more than men are going to maybe, what, how did you say that? Self-doubt or they're going to feel less deserving potentially? Like, like if you have a man and a woman and say, you know, all things being equal, you have a hundred men, a hundred women in a company how many are going to go ask for the promotion versus maybe I'm going to wait and be recognized or I don't want to come off pushy or whatever that is. Would you say more men are going to ask for promotion statistically than women? Oh gosh. Um, statistically, absolutely. So like I said, it's probably a disparity anywhere between 20 to 47% that, you know, people, or I should say men go for the position. So as an example, McKinsey and company actually, I'm I'm sorry, Hewlett Packard actually did a study of their work for several years ago. Actually, it's probably more like over 10 years ago. But what they did is they took all of the openings that they had and they statistically figured out how many men and women would apply. But what they found was that men would apply for a position knowing that they only had 60% of the skills and they would just apply women would wait till they had a hundred percent of the skills to apply and what wow yeah that's incredible it's crazy and so what that tells me is that women do not feel that they are deserving of the position they don't feel that they're worthy of the of applying for that job and the problem is that they don't even try it's not like they try and apply for the job and see what happens they don't even apply they discount themselves from from the situation. And, you know, I think that's one of the big keys of women holding themselves back, they really need to, you know, kind of start thinking about how they're thinking, and, you know, talk about uh, busting those limiting beliefs, right? Because if they have a limiting belief that they're not worthy, and therefore, they're not going to apply for the job, obviously, the men are going to get the position. So by the time they're ready to apply for the job, their male counterpart already got that position. And, and, and what it sounds like, too, is, again, statistically speaking, and guys, this is this is a, a fun conversation. I'm glad we're having this. Um, because sometimes when it comes to whether it's topics of race or topics of sexism or, you know, in the workplace, um, 
it's like you're not allowed to talk it through anymore and and you know to wrestle with these concepts and to figure it out it's you know the one side says it's a hundred percent this is the problem and then everything has to change and if you say anything other than that then you're evil right and and you're misogynistic and all that and I, I'm glad to have, as a man and as a woman here, right, we both work, um, I'm glad to have the conversation. So here I am as an employer, I have a position open, anyone can apply. Statistically, as you said, the women, less women are going to apply because they're generally not going to apply unless they have 100% of the qualifications where the men apply. So I'm going to get more male applications than female applications. Um and at the end of the day, that just means there's a better chance of picking a male for the job than a female for the job. Um, what can I do to, to help s to change that? I mean, if if I want to make sure, you know, is, is it just kind of, is it having the culture, having the open conversation? Is it sending a memo out, you know, and saying, hey, remember, you all know, like, we always want you, like, I, I would tell my people, I want you to apply. You know, if we have a position and you think you want it, I don't care where your qualifications are, you should apply because... I'm more interested in the right person, the raw talent, than I am with the degree or whatever else. And that's how I feel. I know a lot of employers feel that way. Um, what are some ways that we can kind of shift the culture so I go, hey, I don't want you to feel like you'd be held back by invisible barriers or systemic barriers that, you know, that nobody in the, in the building wants this to be. And maybe the feeling is still there, but none of us want it. So how do we get rid of it? Yeah, I mean, I think from an from an entrepreneur and even from, you know, a corporate leader, one of the things that you can do to encourage women to apply is have candid conversations with them. So if I'm a manager and I see people on my team that are advancing and I think that they're going to be good leaders, I want to approach them to have that that conversation. And interestingly enough, what happened to me, Matt, as I was going through my career, I thought that by working hard, you know, head down and um, eventually someone would actually come and notice my hard work. So I was literally working my ass off. I was, you know, just doing really well, a top performer. And I'm thinking, okay, any day someone's going to come and tap me on the shoulder. Well, guess what, Matt? Nobody came and tapped me on the shoulder. And so what that says is that I didn't feel I was worthy or deserving because I didn't use my voice to advocate for myself. So it's a dual thing. You know, as a as a leader, you do need to have those conversations and encourage women to apply, especially women, because as we already talked, men are naturally going to do it. But as an employee or, you know, someone that's trying to move up the ladder, it's up to you to figure out how you're going to advocate for yourself. So it's it's a dual thing. And there's people that are happy doing the same job for many, many years. And then there's people that want to move up the ladder, but maybe they don't know how. And this is where I think mentorship comes comes into play, because if you are trying to move up the corporate ladder or, you know, just you know, open up your business or whatever the situation is, find a mentor so that you can ask them those questions. And the mentor is typically someone that's, you know, five to 10 years ahead of you so that they can, you know, show you the ropes and, and show you how to start advocating for yourself. And the biggest thing is using your voice and having candid conversations. Using your voice, having candid conversations. I love that. Hey, can we, can we talk about just w one more 
I think, blatant issue in this gender equality in the workplace that I think people don't talk about enough. Um, and this is nobody's fault. Um, it's not fair the way the world is set up, but it is the way that nature is set up in the world. Um, men don't have uh, uteruses and women do, which means traditionally, if, if I looked at even, a, say, a married couple, right? In if both of them had the same 30-year career, but they wanted to have children as a family, what's going to happen? Well, probably at least the wife is going to take a pause from work at a minimum and have a break in, in work. And she might have a break for a few months. She might have a break for a year. And then she might go back to work. And then she might choose to come back home, you know, and there might be another child. And then oftentimes, would you say, you know, women are going to choose, they, they think they're going to stay in the career, but then they choose to stay home with a young family, which I, I think is admirable and amazing. And it's the same, you know, if a man does that, that's awesome too. But there is a difference because, you know, I can't nurse the same and I didn't, you know, grow the baby inside me the same. And, and, and that's just how it is. But all of a sudden you might look up and go, hey, I took a seven year break from my career as a random example. And now I want to go back into it. So in the same 30 year period, the male has the option to basically stay on a steady track and grow to, as you said, that executive role. The female in our example had a one-year break, a six-month break, a seven-year break, and now they're looking at the same capabilities, no question, but um, and the same opportunity, but less time experience because of the break in the workplace. How do you, I guess... How do we reconcile that? How do we factor that in? Because that's a real statistic. Um, I, I'm, I'm not quoting a real statistic to be clear to everyone, um, but that's a real statistic, meaning that in that same time period, um, women may be working less years specifically or less hours than the male counterparts. So that's a real thing, but we also don't want to punish, right? And say, well, sorry, you know, you went home to be with a baby, so you miss out. How do you, in the real world, how do you kind of balance that? And how do you counter that to still give the same opportunities? But at the same time, do you know what I'm saying? They're, if they're yes. not there as much, they're not there as much. Exactly. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. As Look, I'm, I'm stumbling all, all over myself <laughs> with it. Because like, I, again, I'm the guy without the, the uterus going, trying to explain this and, and and yeah, it just doesn't seem, because it's not a fair thing, but it's a real thing. So how do we, speaking as a woman, speaking as helping to empower a, 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 an equal workforce, how do we do that? Yeah. So as you said, you know, we don't really have a choice, right? You know, we're the women, we have the babies. And, you know, I, I would say a vast majority of women want to leave the workforce to have a child. And, you know, that's just nature. But Again, if you're a woman in corporate America and you want to go out and have a baby and come back, this is exactly why you need to understand that you are deserving of the position and you need to go after it. So you can't be passive because you've already had time away from work. And again, your male counterpart was there the entire time. A promotion came out during that time and you weren't there. So they got the promotion. But when you come back to work, you need to you know, operate with a growth mindset, make sure that you um, are positive and talking to your boss and campaigning for yourself. And then in, in addition to that, you have to have a focus strategy. So you need to make sure that you are clear about your why, what you want and how to get it. And of course, you know, not, not everybody's going to do that, but I can actually help people do that because, 
I want women to understand that if they don't do that, they are going to hold themselves back. And again, you know, leaving the company to have a baby is a choice for women. And as a matter of fact, during this pandemic, Matt, it's like 2 million, 2 million women are actually thinking of leaving the workforce because this pandemic has forced women and particularly women to now work full time and be an educator at home with all the, you know, remote learning and still take care of the home. And statistically speaking, again, women do about 1.5% more work than men whenever they're working full time and being a mom and have duties at home. And of course, the mom guilt is a real thing, Matt, you know, men really don't have the dad guilt, you know, have you ever had conversations with any of your male friends, Matt, about the dad guilt when you're working? Um, I don't think that's a thing. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some guys that feel that way, but yeah, I, if I'm at work, I'm at work right now, right? We're having, you know, we're broadcasting, having this conversation and I haven't thought once about my son at home until you just mentioned that, but I'm like, yeah, he'll be fine. I'll see him tonight. Um, no dad guilt, but I know my wife, I'm sure has that, there's the comparison conversation that comes up a lot. I think that's that. Just in our family experience, I think that's where a lot of that mom guilt comes from of like, I'm comparing myself to, you know, a fake version of me or the other Instagram mom that I I see how their kids are eating kale chips and, you know, every single day and loving it apparently and they never have any candy and they go to bed happily um, and apparently, you know, I work and I'm super mom. You know, so there's there's definitely that comparison piece, but I, I don't see myself comparing a lot and feeling guilty. Am I a bad person? No, Matt, not at all. <clears throat> I think it's just a matter of, you know, uh, nature versus nurture. You know, it's just the way it is. I can tell you this. When I was working full time and I had, and my kids are grown now, they're 20 and 22. So I'm an empty nester and it's very nice, by the way. But when they were young, um, you know, sometimes I would freeze in the middle of the day going, oh my, where's my kids? Like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> who's taking care of that? And uh, I, I was divorced at the time too. So that even exacerbated my guilt feelings as well. But you know, it's just something that women uh, feel. And again, having guilt or experiencing guilt when you're working full time over being a mom is a limiting belief, right? Because we all still need to work. And the guilt that you feel is just suffering. And if you just reframe that to think that you are setting a good example for your children and they're seeing that you're able to go and work and provide for yourself and your family. That's an amazing example, especially for the young girls, you know, because as you know, girls are pretty, but boys are rambunctious and they run and they build and stuff like that. So, you know, as a young girl, if you see your mom working and again, being a leader, I think that's a phenomenal example. So women, again, with the growth mindset, you have to shift those limiting beliefs and reframe how you are operating on your day-to-day basis and try not to even think about that guilt. And if you do think about it, reframe it right away so that you are, you're telling yourself that you're setting a good example for your children. Well, that's it. I, I, and I hope um, as you're listening to this, I hope I hope you guys all just pick that up. Um, the reframe that Rosie just said is so crucial that when because, you know, if I'm off at work, it's like, oh, gee whiz, I'm you know, I feel guilty because I'm not with my kids enough. But I have met so many personal, real people that I know personally, so many that were raised by a single mom 
and their mom was their hero because you know their mom started she started her dream and she started a bakery and then they went with their with mom to the bakery to help open up and to help clean up and after school and and that was some of the like the most precious memories that this person has and you know meanwhile the mom is probably sitting there going oh my gosh i feel so bad we should be at the park we should be at the zoo we should be this we should be that but instead i have to drag my kid to work Guys, set a good example of someone who I love my child. Look at me, child. I love you. And I'm going to work hard for our family. And that means when you grow up, you should work hard for your family. And, you know, and you can set a good example. And this is this really becomes a, a generational thing, a legacy thing. It, it's about setting a good example of someone who's willing to sacrifice, willing to work hard, Willing to not buy every toy you want because guess what? We don't want to be impulsive, young child, right? We want to be sacrificial. We want to save up. We want to have goals. So I love the the being an example piece. Now, if you are out there, especially as a woman, and you're and you're working, you're still working, and you're doing your your business on the side, or you know, if you have a spouse, right? And and I'll say men or women are obviously they can benefit from this, but this is definitely advice towards women and the differences of what what you need to do to step up get noticed and be able to to excel your career um rosie what what are a couple other things that or maybe one last idea as we kind of wind down here that if a woman in corporate america or and again corporate america doesn't mean fortune 100 company you know you could be working in a small business with 25 employees right um i think about my sister often she was at home uh she was working for years and then she went she stayed home for i don't know how long but a solid period of time seven eight maybe even ten years to raise two children and now that they're teenagers she went back to the workforce but she works for a company you know that has four offices i don't know how many employees but it would be 100 200 it's not this massive corporate america but she's been raising in the ranks and monica shout out to you you just got a massive promotion um to full-on manager with a team underneath you and got recognized but I think I'm sure she'd be okay with me saying this on national radio. Um, she didn't apply for the job and they did eventually tap her on the shoulder and she was a little bit shocked at, at, at the opportunity, at the pay raise, at all of it. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wonder if it could have happened a year ago. Like, I wonder how that is. So what's something, I went off on a tangent, sorry, Rosie. What else could can we do uh, as a woman to ensure that you're getting the opportunities that are available, even if you don't know they're available? Right, well, first of all, congratulations to Monica, because I think that's amazing. You know, if she was recognized without having to actually apply, you know, I, I think that's excellent from her leadership team because they recognized her hard work. So a few other things, Matt, and by the way, I have this amazing workbook. So if you go to my website to download the workbook, uh, it's at 19stages.com backslash resources. And that is the number one, the number nine stages. So that's 19stages.com backslash resources. And the workbook will give you three simple steps for women in corporate America to stop being left behind. And there's three quick things that I want to say request feedback, work on your limiting beliefs, and apply for the job. And if you go on my uh, LinkedIn or Instagram, and again, it's, it's the same thing. It's 19 stages, the number one, the number nine stages. 
And I actually have videos where I talk about these three things, you know, requesting feedback, limiting beliefs and applying for the job. And I think those are valuable videos that people can go in and view because again, if you're not advocating for yourself, more than likely, it's not going to happen the way it happened to Monica where people's going to come or where someone's going to come and tap you on the shoulder. You need to advocate for yourself. You need to be proactive and you need to have that focus strategy. I love that. So the, um, I just want to dr- drill into one of those if we can. And again, you can get all of that and more. There's an entire, it's, it's, it's actually really quite cool. I'm, I'm on the site right now, um, 19stages.com resources. And yeah, it's three simple steps for women in corporate America to stop being left behind. It's a full color 13 page workbook that dives into each one of those three steps. I just want to dive a little bit in, into the requesting feedback step. Um, what does that look like? Like, are you, is this, you know, hey, go to your boss, go to your 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 leader, your supervisor, and actually ask for feedback on your performance. Is there any particular way to do that? Um, are you saying that women tend not to do that? And I just hope that everything's okay. T- talk a little bit about the feedback piece. Yeah. I, so, you know, in, in corporate America, there's definitely a process of getting feedback, but a lot of times people hear the feedback and then don't do anything about it. Or sometimes bosses don't give you feedback. So in that situation, this is one of the things that you do need to be proactive. And if you're not hearing anything about your performance, then you do need to go and schedule a conversation with your manager kind of draft out what you're going to say, you know, script it out so that you are not going in there stumbling and trying to figure out what it is that you're going to say. So be intentional about what that meeting is going to look like and visualize the outcome because that's going to be huge too for you to continue to progress in, in your career. It also can mean that you are going to people that you've worked worked with before. So when I was actually going through this process and I wanted to get that next big promotion, I started basically campaigning for myself. So I made appointments with about 10 to 15 leaders that I had already worked with that knew my work, that knew my reputation. And I asked them, what can I do more? What can I do better? What have you seen that I don't do enough of? And one of the things that I got was use your voice. Um, Interestingly enough, Matt, I coach and mentor people that are coming out of college as well as executives. But for the people that are coming out of college, whenever there's a group of men and women and they're starting out, almost always the men are the one that are answering questions or asking questions. And the young women are sitting there kind of waiting, you know, they're almost kind of like waiting for permission to speak. And I actually make it a point to pull these young ladies aside and say, you know what, make sure that you're using your voice, even if you don't feel confident, speak up, ask the question, answer the question. And the more you hear yourself speak out loud, the more you build that confidence and the easier it becomes, uh, you know, and on the long run. But again, feedback, not just from your manager, but 
from your mentors, from your peers, even from your family, you know, you can, your family kind of knows, they know who you are, they, and it's a, a safe and loving space. So you can go to your parents and say, Hey, what do you think I can work on? So feedback is from a variety of places. I love that. And just getting that. So you're in that mindset of, I'm going to work on me. I'm going to make, I want to make my job performance better. I don't want to. And again, are, are there real differences in the workplace? Sure. Are there biases sometimes and stereotypes? Sure. But if you live in that world where, hey, I would be great at this, except there's this stereotype, except my boss is this guy or whatever. If you live in that world, you can't do anything about it. But I love what you're saying is what I hear, Rosie, is, hey, take some control back, you know, take take as much responsibility as you can. And what are you responsible for? You're responsible for yourself. So you can take on that responsibility and say, how can I become better at this? How can I get more clear on what I'm doing, what I'm not doing? And if you can become better, then all of a sudden you might just feel good enough to go get that promotion. I love it. And if you are a leader out there, listen to Rosie and let's figure out a way to help encourage that behavior that, yes, apply for the job. Let's bring feedback models to the to the team so um, so they know when, you know, men and women both know when they're performing well, performing poorly, what they can do to change. Rosie, this has been awesome. We can go on forever, but we are out of time. Um, this is Rosie Zielinskis of 19 Stages. Again, you can get uh, her resource book. It's a free resource for you. Um, three Simple Steps for Women in Corporate America to Stop Being Left Behind. Phenomenal resource. It is free at uh, 19stages.com slash resources. And you can follow Rosie on Instagram, uh, and all over the place at LinkedIn at 19 stages. Thanks so much for coming on, Rosie. You've been awesome, and I'm so enjoy this conversation. Can't wait to see you again soon. Thank you, Matt. This was wonderful. I appreciate it. And, and again, everybody can follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at 19 stages. And again, that's num- number one, number nine stages. So that's 19 stages. All right. Thanks, everyone. Hey, I enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did too. Um, If you have comments on this, if you want to talk about this, head over to my social media, at Matt Browning on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, wherever you want to go connect. Um, I'm not on TikTok, but I am on kind of the big ones, you know, you know, the old, the old person ones. Uh, but head over there to Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and let me know at Matt Browning. Let me know how, how the Driven Entrepreneur is going for you. Let me know who you want to have come on. Let me know if you want more of this conversation, less of this conversation. Give me your feedback. I'm looking forward to it. Tell me if I'm an evil person. Tell me if uh, you listen every week and you can't wait. I'm, I'm open for it all. I love you. I appreciate you. You're awesome, America. I'll see you next week with with another driven entrepreneur. Bye-bye.